Welcome to another episode of the Free Thinkers Podcast, the show that believes in free speech, original thought, and desire for truth. Want to wish everybody a happy new year and hope 2023 is going well and goes well for everyone here. We're going to jump right into some of the latest news. There's probably two things we're just going to talk about today, and that's going to be the the vote for Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, and then what you have witnessed as far as these athletes dropping suddenly, a lot of them dying suddenly, but dropping suddenly indeed, as far as what you saw in the NFL the other day um, with DeMar Hamlin, that is something that I think opened the eyes of a lot of Americans and hopefully at least started to, to generate some interest in them asking the right questions. So hopefully, um, hopefully that's going to be something that we can um, just get to the bottom of, get the truth out there and get people to really understand what's going on as, as far as all that. But let's jump into the the vote for the Speaker of the House. Now, this went to 15 votes. That's the first time in 130 plus years that that's happened. And you have some members of the Freedom Caucus that push back against Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, and I was very, very, very opposed to that. Um, very opposed to Mitch McConnell as far as him being the head of the Senate and Kevin McCarthy being Speaker of the House. We've uh, We witnessed this week something that I think is very telling for a lot of people within the conservative movement. You have institutions like Fox News, you have people like Sean Hannity, you have people like Dan Crenshaw, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you've got, um, oh gosh, Donald Trump. You have a lot of these people that we thought were true conservatives that were calling these this group of 20 out for standing up and trying to get rule packages and different concessions made so it can't just be business as usual. You can actually get change done and repeal and roll back some of these rules that Nancy Pelosi put in that just shoves bills through and doesn't get anybody with a true conservative voice a way to stop some of these bills that are just shoved down people's throats and just, and just ramrodded through. So you have people that I really lost a lot of respect for a lot of respect for that this week, they're just trying to push this stuff through and get this guy elected so we can quote, get to business and do investigations and all this other stuff. So it took 15 votes. It took three days. And these people were just crying like you wouldn't believe to get this guy in. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent opposed right now to McCarthy, even being the speaker. There's a couple things that he's voted for in the past, which would be same sex marriage, vaccine mandates for the military over a hundred billion dollars for Ukraine. He voted to use Medicare to fund the, the postal service. He voted to, for the drafting of women in the military. He voted for the January 6th committee, which we know is a complete and, and utter sham. He voted to, to make uh, D.C. as a 51st state. He voted for amnesty for the Dreamers and more. And when you look and when you go through and look at his freedom score from conservative review, he gets a 54. He gets an F. Absolutely. I mean, just horrible, horrible person to put up. And I'll read some of this stuff. His liberty score is a 54 percent. He gets an F of the votes. 
There's 54 total votes, and he has conservative votes 27 times and liberal liberal votes 23 times. Now, let's just go through a couple of these things that he voted for. To pass the $700 billion so-called Inflation Reduction Act, voted for that. He, he voted to violate religious liberty rights with Russ' contraceptive bill, contraception bill. He, he voted to codify same-sex marriage and ban states from supporting traditional marriage. He voted to extend chain migration to adult dependents and employment visa holders and to pass an $817 billion, or $817 billion defense spending bill without defunding military vaccine mandates. He voted to support uh, gun control to fund the war in Ukraine, to pass the $1.5 trillion omnibus funding, Biden's vaccine mandate. I mean, there's just stuff that he's voted for that's an absolute disaster, an absolute disaster. And so I want to bring up too, because I know these guys are getting railroaded, but as far as the Freedom Caucus, the ones that did push back, I want to read their names because every single one of them deserves credit. These are the true conservative patriots. These are the people that we need to make sure stay in office. These are the people we need to follow. These are the people that really deserve the credit because they're the ones who stood up, were willing to put their name out there, were willing to fight to try to get these rules changed so the American people can save a lot of money and that conservatives can have a seat at the table. And I'm going to read their names with their concert, with their, uh, their Liberty score. Andy Biggs, he has a hundred percent conservative score. Dan Bishop, 100% conservative score, liberty score. Lauren Boebert, 100% liberty score. Um, just the initial. M. Cloud, 91%. A. Clyde, 91%. Byron Donalds, 100%. Matt Gates, 84%. Bob Good, 100%. Paul Gosser, 100%. A. Harris, 84%. Mary Miller, 95%. R. Norman, 92%. S. Perry, 86%. Matt Rosendale, 100%, and Chip Roy, who was the, the, the big leader on this, 100%. McCarthy, again, 54% is an F. So Chip Roy was the one between, Matt Gates was probably the one that got a lot of the publicity and that kind of thing, which he did push back on. And I'm glad he voted present because I there's no way on earth I would vote for McCarthy under any circumstance. I'm sorry, I wouldn't do it. Uh, based upon what I read, based upon the things he's voted for, based on his liberty score, he's not a true conservative whatsoever. And when you have a 54%, that's that's pretty that's pretty bad. So I am in in total agreement with with the way that a lot of these people push back. But again, like I said, you you go to some of these institutions, you get like Mark Levin, like I said, Donald Trump. I mean, a complete rhino. I would never vote for anything, anything that he is for again. He's, he, he ruined it for me. I'm over it. I was over it actually the time. And I, and I looked up a text the other day and I told a couple of my friends, I said, I'm done for Trump when he passed the first, when he was still president, when he passed the first uh, stimulus package, right when COVID you know, was coming out. I think it was a $2 trillion stimulus package. I, I was so opposed to that because I saw the writing on the wall and I saw what was going to happen as far as, you know, just endless money printing and devaluation of the currency and the wealth that you, you know, you have in store. That's, that it's stealing. It's, it's what you have is being diluted so much. It's, it's stealing. And so for him to do that, um, 
was was really really a bad a bad thing. So to me, that's when I started getting off the the Trump train to say, and then when he started pushing the 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 you know the jabs, I was really really against that. And now that he's endorsing this latest round of midterms and the and the the speakership, just some of the people that he put up there, like Dr. Oz and and. Uh, Herschel Walker. I mean, just re- candidates that are just not really good. And what he did with the representative out in Colorado and just kind of scuttled the ship out there and made sure a Democrat won as far as the, the, the Senate race, just, just doing some really stupid stuff. And uh, again, I, I want to hold every single person to the same standard. And that does not include giving anyone a pass because the fact of the matter is, is you're, you're graded upon your performance. You're not graded upon your showmanship. You're not graded upon anything of that level. And to me, I think the true colors this week has been a very revealing week for a lot of things. And the, the, the congressman in my area, um, Scott Franklin, I was watching, you know, what he was putting on Twitter. And it, the, the interesting thing about that is he was all for, you know, just electing McCarthy in the first vote without any rules packages and I just wrote him. I said, do you ever listen to the people that you're called to represent? Because under his, under his you know Twitter feed, every single comment was, this isn't what we want. We don't want McCarthy. We want, we want change. We want true change. And so I'm, I'm very disappointed in that. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's something that he's a good person, but I, I'm very, very against that kind of thing as far as just to not stand up, to not fight, to not try to go up there and do something different rather than just go as business as usual. So hopefully there can be some things that come out of this that is going to be beneficial. And I hope the rules package, I still have to vote on that, gets passed. But I'm going to read to you right now what has been reported as far as... uh, the diff, the details as far as what the concessions have been uh, given as far as McCarthy, as as has been reported, it will only take a single congressperson acting in what is known as a Jeffersonian motion to move to remove the speaker if he or she goes back on their word or policy agenda. These are things that McCarthy was against. These are things that he was fighting for, and like I said, I'm not even sure why he would be, if he was a true conservative, would be pushing back on this stuff. He wanted, he wanted the seat. He wanted to do the bidding that the world economic forum, which he's a member of, um, were making. And I think it's just, I think it's absolutely crazy. So again, it's going to take a single person to put his speakership up again. And though he's going to have to get 218 votes to maintain and keep that. So this is going to keep him on a, on a short leash, as they say. Uh, the second thing is they're going to have a church style, committee that will be convened to look into the weaponization of the FBI and other government organizations, presumably the CIA, the subject of the original church committee against the American people. Now we're going to see how that goes because a lot of times, most of this stuff is definitely, uh, you know, big talk and little action. That's basically what the Republican party has been. The, the Democrat party, at least they're, at least they're honest, at least they're going to tell you, you know what, we support pedophilia. Hey, we support just uh, mental illness as far as people parading around. 
as guys thinking they're women and women thinking they're guys and all this other stuff. They're, they're, they're openly for that. Hey, we, we think this is going to make the, our, you know, path to whatever they're trying to get to better. They're going to come out there and they're going to, they're going to all vote lockstep in line like little sheep and do it. The Republicans, they're going to try to kind of divert you and, and, and to act like they're doing something when they're really conceding on, on most things. So we'll see who heads that church style commission and we'll see if anything happens for that. The third is term limits will be put up for a vote. I think that's just a pipe dream, to be honest with you. Number four, bills presented to Congress will be single subject, not omnibus with all the attendant earmarks, and there will be a 72-hour minimum period to read them. Now, that's a big deal because a lot of these bills, they just shove stuff in it to where it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to vote for this stuff, and then you're going to just add all this little nonsense in there that no one would know self-respecting person would ever vote for, but they're just going to shove it in there. And so I think having that single um, single subject bill is a really good thing. Now, again, think about this. These are great additions and these are great rule packages that McCarthy didn't want to concede to up at the beginning, that all your political and conservative quote heroes like Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Sean Hannity, Fox News, Mark Levin, Laura Ingram, all these people were against. They were against these bills and they were against the people fighting for them. So just keep that in mind when you when you go through and figure out who the true conservatives are. And most of your congressmen, they were. They were fighting. I mean, you've got the guy with the toupee over there trying to like punch Matt Gates or something like that. The guy from Alabama, Mike Rogers. Just insane, just absolutely insane. I mean, these people are so establishment uniparty. It's 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 really sad to see, but it's revealing because we know. To me, I think it just it, it gives more clarity than ever. And they're also going to have seventy two hours minimum period to read the bill. That's why Nancy Pelosi always said we have to pass the bill to figure out what's in the bill because the rules committee that she had basically said that you couldn't you couldn't even read the bill. And number five, the Texas border plan will be put before Congress. Uh, the four-prong plan aims to complete physical border infrastructure, fix border enforcement policies, enforce our laws in the interior, and target cartels and criminal organizations. Uh, we'll see where that goes. That's all I can say. Number six, COVID mandates will be ended as well as will all funding for them, including so-called emergency funding. I hope that passes because this is the biggest nonsense I've ever seen in my life as far as the mandates and emergency funding and that kind of thing. I'm not sure what the, I know there's still a requirement if you're a foreign citizen to come into the United States, you have to have proof of this jab, which I think is just asinine, to be honest with you. There's a lot of foreign countries that don't. Um, I'm going to, to Europe next week and the countries I'm going to, they do not require that. Thank God. There's, I think there's like 96 countries that don't require that. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be a really good thing, but don't think it's over because, um, I think you're, what you're seeing out of China, what you're seeing out of a couple other countries right now, and they're going to, they're trying to put this masking back and that kind of thing. That's why we come to you with the links that we put on the site. Some of the podcasts that we've done as far as reading some of the studies about masking, the, the inefficiency of masking, number one the dangers of masking number two, 
and the control optics of masking number three. We've covered that all in previous episodes, and there's not one thing I would like to change that's any different about anything we've t- told you about as it refers to masking, COVID, the protocols that we're taking. You know, we can't obviously give you health advice, but Dr. Bradford was on there, and uh, Austin Brower was on there, and we kind of went through some of the health protocols that that were great, that, that worked well for us, that worked well for the majority of the people. And now you're seeing, and there's, there's kind of a study that I'll, I'll show you that this is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the vaccinated. And we'll get into that a little bit, but hopefully this uh, concession, as far as to end these mandates and the funding for them will, will, will pass and go through. Cause it's just, it's asinine. And then number seven, Budget bills would stop the endless increases in the debt ceiling and hold the Senate accountable for the same. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see um, where where this goes because again they have to vote on this rules package. They have to uh, they have to get that passed, and I think that's what they're gonna do. What's interesting is one of the first things that McCarthy in his victory speech, we'll call it said was he's going to the the first bit of business is to repeal the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents, which I think was a smart move for him as far as to do that as the first uh, order of business. Hopefully that passes. Hopefully that goes through. And um, so we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm not real confident in in the Republican Party. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, Mean Joe and I were recording a podcast. We had some technical issues on that. I mean, as far as some of this recording software, I did updates on, and, and there was just a couple things that it happened. So we weren't able to publish that one. But on that podcast, it was probably, I want to say, three or four weeks ago, I made the announcement that I am not a member of the Republican Party anymore. I changed my party affiliation. I am NPA. I am no party affiliation I, and this was before the speaker and all this other stuff. Um, I'm just so sick of the Republican party and I'm past president of the young Republican group in my County. I did a lot of work with them. I used to speak at the women's Republican club a lot and you go around and speak. And then they were trying to get me as far as to run for a couple different positions and get me into that. I, kind of saw what the writing on the wall was as far as the self-serving interests of that. And it's not just the Republican party. I mean, the democratic party is the same way, but politics in general, it is to get somebody in there to do the bidding and the favors. And it's the, you know, there's old song cat scratch fever. And I think any politician has back scratch fever because that's all it is is scratching the back of the, of the corporation that kind of puts you in there. And, and and that's what we live in. And I've, and, and I've said, I've said time and time again, this is not a legitimate government. This is a criminal cabal posing as a country. I'll say that again. This is not a legitimate government. This is a criminal corporatist cabal, I'll say, posing as a country. And that's why I left the the Republican Party and I'm done with it. And I am glad I did because seeing this dog and pony show and seeing the people that you think are conservative do what they've done and said what they've said this week. I mean, literally calling them everything from insurrectionists, the, the group of 20 that were pushing back for the rules that I just read to you that are going to really lift up, the, you know, like what they say, a rising tide lifts all ships, bring the tide up. 
within the Congress, you have all these people, your quote, you know, your political conservative heroes that were against it. They were against the pushback that got these amazing rules. And so I think it really demonstrated the true colors of, of what's in this party. And it really showed too what conservative ink is all about, because that's what happened when, you know, you had the tea party and you have things that worked within that circle and what killed the tea party was the, the GOP as far as within that. I mean, you got the, the ranks of, you know, when Paul Ryan was the speaker, absolute disaster, one of the worst. And uh, John Boehner was, was too. Boehner kind of went in there with an iron fist and they got him out and they put Paul Ryan in, which was, I'm not sure if it was worse, but it was just as bad. So it's, uh, again, you this is just a, an establishment uniparty with a few people, those 20 that are willing to step up and put themselves out there to hold the line, to try to make real change. So to me, I hope everyone writes them and celebrates them and tells them what a great job they've done on behalf of the American people, because there's very, very, very few people that are willing to do that. A lot of people just want to pass this through because they're, they're, they're serving themselves and they're serving the special interests and it's going to go on that way a long time. It, it was very telling when you had, you know, the likes of AOC and Maxine Waters and um, Nancy Pelosi and all these people wanting McCarthy to be speaker. And so you've got, you know, you've got the, and I don't use the term rhino lightly. I mean, I, obviously they call everybody, you know, names and kind of ideology and that thing. But to me, I really think the people that were really, really, really pushing against this stuff this week are Republican in name only. That's what a rhino means. They're Republican in name only. When you have McCarthy who gets a 54% on his Liberty score, when you get all these other people that don't understand the process and what should be messy and dirty and how government really works, you know, watching how you make sausage kind of thing, it should be messy. It should be dirty. All, all these funding bills, the budgets and all that other stuff, they should have been debated on the House floor as vigorously as this. And if McCarthy would have fought for the American people 10% of how he fought for himself, this country would be a better country. And obviously, you know, Donald Trump's been a huge, to me, has been a huge disappointment. And it started the cascading of failures on his part started, number one, when he had Jared Kushner as far as his his advisor Kushner is probably one of the the worst advisors in the history of earth, in my opinion. And what he did when he gave the keys of the kingdom to Anthony Fauci and passed the, the stimulus package and just handed things over to, to, to Fauci and Burks and what they did, you know, with that power and what he allowed them to do with that power. And again, everything was politically motivated. It wasn't in the best interest of the American people. It was in the best interest of his, his reelection and I'm not saying that the election wasn't stolen. It was stolen 100%, in my opinion. There's no way on earth, given the data that we've seen, given the, the votes, how they skyrocketed in and, you know, shutting voting machines down, putting boards over windows, pulling suitcases out. It was, it was 100%, in my opinion, stolen. But all that to say is I think that he really took a lot of the in, in encouragement and the enthusiasm away from the base by pushing these vaccine mandates and giving control to Fauci and just kind of playing the game by their rules and doing things. So he would be, 
seen in, in, in a little bit bigger light. But yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, uh, that, that's kind of my opinion. That's kind of my thought as far as what's going on with the speakership and we'll see what happens. We will definitely see what happens, but I'm, again, I'm not in any way, shape, form encouraged by anything that I've seen from McCarthy. I'm glad that he's kind of on a short uh, leash to say the least, and we'll see kind of where, where this goes. But the next thing I wanted to talk about is what happened to DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin is a player for the Buffalo Bills and you, I don't watch the NFL. I had the Rose Bowl on. I was at the house. I had the Rose Bowl on that ended. I just left it on that channel, went to let the dogs out, came back in, took a shower, got out of the shower, and they've got um, Damar Hamlin on the ground. Suddenly collapsed. I saw the replay of what happened, and it was it was pretty telling as far as um, as that goes. And that's what we've seen too often. The, the first thing it brought back to my mind was we were at um, kind of a sports restaurant eating lunch one day. And I think it was the World Cup, World Cup qualifying. Denmark was playing another country and Christian Anderson just went down. He was a player for Denmark, one of their top athletes um, in his 20s, just went down. His heart stopped on the field. They had to do CPR. Very, very eerily similar. And um, they were able to bring him back, had to put him in the hospital. And it was it was awful. I was sitting there watching it. They brought my food out. I couldn't even eat. It was, I was sick to my stomach just watching. You're sitting there and watching a person. You know, you see his, his uh, I think it was his wife or his girlfriend in the stands. You see his player standing around him. Now, again, this is Christian Anderson. This isn't DeMar Hamlin I'm talking about. But they're making kind of a wall around him so the cameras can't pick up what's going on. They're aggressively doing uh, CPR on this guy. And you're sitting there watching this live and you're watching the fate of a person's life hanging in the balance. Now this is kind of early. This is when uh, I think the FIFA or whatever the organization is on with soccer, they were kind of doing the mandates on this. And it was, it was, um, it was pretty sick to watch. And like I said, it was, it was awful. And that was on live TV. So I think that's, that's one of the things that happened. Then when you switch to, to this, I think a lot of people that obviously didn't watch soccer, this is kind of new for them. They've probably heard about, you know, the, these, you know, the effects of the jabs and that kind of thing. And now that you're being able to see it and watch it live, I hope it opened up some questions. Of course, um, they came out immediately with this thing of, commodity cordis or something like that of, <laughs> of an object strike. And I mean, and, and that's something that talks about an impact to your chest area. It's almost 0%. I think you, you had the, ch the, the chances of someone over 20 for it happening in a non object contact, meaning what that happens is, is an object strikes your heart, the area over your heart, most likely like a hockey puck, a baseball, a lacrosse ball, that kind of thing. And it happens rarely, but the instances that it happens the most is in, in, in kids 14 and under. And the reason is, is because your, your breastplate, your sternum has so much cartilage in it that it gives so much. Now, when you're a 24, 24 year old male, 
that's developed. The cartilage has turned to bone. You've, you've grown up, you develop. And so that pretty much never happens. I think one of the doctors said the, the chances of that happening uh, to a football player from a non-object striking that area is like getting struck by lightning four times in the same day. So it's, it's, it's almost 0%. It's never happened in college football or the NFL. And for that to be pushed out there, to be gaslit on the public as fast as it did, I was pretty um, not surprised. I knew they were going to come up with something because they, they, they obviously, that's a billion dollar entertainment industry that they have to protect. And if they revealed it had anything to do with something like that, it would definitely be uh, devastating to the cash flow of that organization. But one of the things that it was interesting when you connect the dots, I had a couple of friends texting me back and forth. And so I looked up a couple instances as far as the Buffalo Bills organization. Back in May 5th, 2021, Bills general manager Bean, I'm not sure what his first name is, but there's an article talking about that he would consider cutting a player if they were unvaccinated. Now you have Cole Beasley, who was a wide receiver for that team, and he he was very, very, very opposed to that. He was basically chastised from one end to the other. Um, you have him pu- publicly coming out and the way they treated him because he didn't want to get the injection. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to get the injection. Kirk Cousins didn't want to get the injection. And they were pretty much... Um, you know, just run under the bus, scum of the earth, that kind of thing. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty telling on that, but the bills were very, very vehemently adamant that people get this shot. And so the general manager coming out May of 2021 saying he would cut or consider cutting a player if they were unvaccinated. And then, um, and then you go to showing that they were requiring proof of vaccination as far as even to get in and attend a bill's game. So that was, that was pretty interesting too. Um, one of the, one of the things I saw online, the tweets I saw online was immediately after, you know, the, the incident with Hamlin, a lot of the people were talking about his vaccine status. They wanted to know, which I think is the appropriate question because of the, this article I'm going to read here in a minute, but it talks about the athlete deaths are up 1700%. Uh, since COVID-19 vaccination began. And so I think that's an appropriate question, seeing what we've seen, never seeing this in the history of the NFL, college football, anything like that before, a person just collapsing on the field and having to be administered CPR for nine minutes. Um, but they were like, this isn't the time. His vaccine status is not even important, that kind of thing. And and one of these people wrote, it's not important. The fact of the matter is, is you have to present your vaccine status to even get in as a fan to the game, to even walk around New York, to get in restaurants, you have to present your vaccine status. To get on airplanes, you have to present your vaccine status and stuff. And so when is it now taboo to ask if a person that suffered a, a, a heart condition that's happening to athletes all over the world, when is that bad to actually ask for their status? I think it's only appropriate to do because of the safety and health of all the other players in the league. If it's something that has to do with this, I think it's only right that you come out and let other people know so they can have a preventative measure and not put themselves in danger like they're, 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 they're doing. And, you know, I just, I think it's very, very interesting how all this stuff has played out. You see this week, you've had an 18 year old girl. Um, she was a, a, a MMA fighter drop. Suddenly there was another one, a basketball player yesterday was on ESPN 
he was from, um, I can't remember where he's from, but they were playing Georgia Southern. I, I just saw that article come through. Um, and I'm going to read you what Dr. Peter McCullough, who's a world renowned cardiologist had to say on this. And there might be, there's, there's a, there's some big words. I did not go to medical school. And so I'm just going to read this and I will probably butcher two or three of these words, but we'll see. But he said at that night, and he's a Bills fan. He, I, I listened to a couple of podcasts. He was on, he's a Bills fan. And he, he was watching, he said, I watched the play live both as a fan and a cardiologist. And I saw blunt neck and chest trauma, a brief recovery after the tackle, and then a classic cardiac arrest. I've communicated to one of the most experienced trainers in the world. And we agree that it was a cardiac arrest in the setting of a big surge of adrenaline. If DeMar Hamlin indeed took one of the COVID-19 vaccines, then subclinical vaccine induced myocarditis must be considered in the differential diagnosis. We have been told he was successfully defibrillated. That's a hard word to say on the field and has been intubated and is not spontaneously breathing, which is consistent with anoxic encephalophily. I I completely screwed that up, but it sounded kind of neat. The nation prays for his complete recovery. So, um, that is interesting, and that's from one of the trusted sources that we have. We've heard what he said about the COVID-19 uh, shots and the effects that they've had on people. And I just kind of want to read this article. It says, study finds that, let's see, athlete deaths are 17 1,700% higher than expected since COVID-19 vaccine injection began. The investigation of official statistics have found that the number of athletes who have died since the beginning of 2021 has risen exponentially compared to the yearly number of deaths of athletes officially recorded between 1966 and 2004. So much so that the monthly average jumped is 1,700% higher than the monthly average between 1966 and 2004. And the current trend for 2022 so far shows this could increase to 4,120% if the increased number of deaths continue with the number of deaths in March, 2022 alone, three times higher than the previous annual average. That is not good. And you can, I'm going to post an article on this as far as on the freethinkerspodcast.com. And it says an all in all between January of 2021 and April of 2022, a total number of 673 athletes are known to have died. This number could, however, be much higher. So that's 428 less than the number who have died between 1966 and 2004. The difference here, though, is that of the 1,100 deaths occurring over 39 years, whereas 673 recent deaths have occurred over 16 months. And then they have a chart, and then they go through just all this abstract data. And as far as the myocarditis, you can see the reported by VARES just through the roof. And it's, uh, it's really, really sad. So we have a, a serious question to ask as far as what's going on with these athlete deaths. We have, to, we have a, a, a genuine responsibility to ask the right questions. So we just don't put people out there in danger of this indeed is what we kind of think it is. But what came out yesterday was very interesting, came out under the radar. No one's really going to talk about it. But again, this is a, a thing from Dr. McCullough too. The NFL and the NFL Players Association agreed to suspend joint COVID-19 protocols. 
The NFL and the NFL Players Association have agreed to halt all aspects of the COVID-19 protocols effective immediately. Operations will return to normal following nearly two years of restrictions. The league relayed in a memo on Thursday. Uh, uh, that was by the NFL Network. So that's interesting that they dropped that after holding people hostage, um, telling them that they wouldn't have their contracts, everything they worked hard in their life for, the mandates that they had, throwing people through the mud, um, coercing them with their with their salaries. The NFL now is dropping that. So now that everyone, I don't know how many boosters people have. I'm not sure how many shots the majority have. I'm not sure if it's just one and done or if people are actually getting boosters. But now they are dropping this mandate, which I think is just, I think it's good for them to do that. But I think it's such a cowardly thing that they did to push it as hard as they did. But when you watch anything with the NFL, how many games, every single game is sponsored by Pfizer. There's all these things with Pfizer, uh, logos in the stands, you know, brought to you by Pfizer before every, every game. Um, it's just, it, it's a racket. And so they're not going to lose that money. So they're, they're, you're, you'll never hear the true reason that DeMar Hamlin um, dropped on the field like he did. But to me, I would trust Dr. Peter McCullough. He knows what he's talking about and he's seen and he's, he's seen autopsies from athletes from all over the world and what happened. And that is, um, that's very consistent with what, what has happened. There's another article I'm going to post. And this is a word that I don't know how to say. Catecholamines are the key trigger of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine induced myocarditis, a compelling hypothesis supported by epidemiological, another word I'm not going to even try, molecular and physical findings as far as this is something that is happening within athletes. It's talk, talking about the well-documented complication in young males. The increased incidence of sudden death among athletes following vaccination has been reported and requires further investigation. This is on PubMed. This is the government website. This is another article that I'm going to pub publish on freethinkerspodcast.com that will be hidden from view. There's another one here. Um, 16-year-old girl collapsed and died suddenly following flag football game after suffering, suffering medical emergency. This happened this week. Um, high school student collapsed and died suddenly during a flag football game in Nevada after suffering from chest problems. Uh, Arisha Hughes experienced a medical emergency during a flag football game. Uh, this was on Thursday, Thursday this week, just a few days ago. So again, just because you don't see this happening as far as on the NFL, when you're talking about the most elite of the elite athletes, it is happening across um, a lot of sports and, you know, the high school level, I've seen swimmers and runners and, and all kind of, uh, you know, females too, I mean, males and females, uh, football players. It's just, it, it's happening too much. There's a list of players that I know I downloaded as far as that, um, that had complications from some of this stuff, you've got Demar Hamlin. We obviously know what happened. There's the guy Uchi Nawari. He was the 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 player for the um, the Jacksonville Jaguars who collapsed and died. He was 38 years old. That happened this, I think it was this week, um, which was interesting. It says former Jaguars player tragically found deceased after heart attack at age 38. The player uh, Uchi Nawari died suddenly in his Indiana home on Friday, according to media reports. It said that 38-year-old 38-year-old passed away from a possible heart attack, which is interesting because he was very, very, very big on these vaccines. Some of his Instagram feeds um, from 9-1, September 1st, 2021, said, "Okay, 
So let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We're seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Uh, pregnant women at risk to protect life, mandate the vaccine, jail anyone who refuses to protect life. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but I'm pretty sure that his um, the, the thing he supported was the thing that um, he's not able to choose life anymore because his life was taken. Um, definitely nothing to celebrate. He was uh, he was gaslighted, brainwashed, lied to. And he had a very strong opinion, which hopefully didn't influence a lot of other people to make the mistake that he made that cost him his life. So um, that's what we see. The old, and you can look this up, Old Dominion sophomore Imo Ician collapses for unknown reasons at today's game versus Georgia Southern. That was on ESPN. He collapsed. I'm not sure his status, but he was just playing basketball, didn't get hit, anything like that, just collapsed and uh, was clutching his chest. Anyway, um, those are two things that I think we're going to start the new year with because it's definitely of benefit to educate yourself on what's going on. And again, we'll go, we'll start with what we just were talking about as far as these, uh, you know, these shots. A lot of people are very, very nervous right now. And they, there was a poll out by Rasmussen and I think it said almost 25 or 25 or 40% of Democrats knew someone that either, uh, I think that died from the, from the shot. And again, it's something that we're, 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 we're dealt with, we're facing. And a lot of people that got this shot, um, are, are kind of nervous and I don't, I don't blame them. Um, I hope that, you know, if you got multiple shots, it's not, it's not a good thing, but if you just got one, then there's, there's some protocols we'll try to probably get, uh, Dr. Bradford or somebody like that back on to to talk about that and see what we can give people to, uh, you know, help or any direction as far as what they can do with that. Um, but I would also recommend um, just keeping an open mind and, and knowing that we're never going to get the truth. These are institutions that are run by, by corporations. And these corporations, when you have, you know, BlackRock, state, you know, Vanguard and state street, they own everything. So when you have the, the, the corporations that own all the news stations, they own all big pharma. I mean, they own, let's just say NBC, CBS, Fox, and Pfizer. So do you think that the same corporate overview and entity is going to ever, ever do a report and give you the truth on something that can cost them money? Because it's, it's the same, it's the same hand in the cookie jar. So they're not, um, but I would, I would definitely encourage you to listen to, you know, alt, alt media. Um, some, some ones that I definitely recommend are Daniel Horowitz, Steve Dace, Shannon Joy. Um, some of those shows are very, very powerful and they have truth. I mean, it's, it's backed up by data. It's backed up by research. It's backed up, um, you know, by some of the leading doctors around, even though that they're threatened with their license because of saying the truth, because they go against the corporations um, but that's definitely something that we have to be, be knowledgeable. And it's your responsibility to be honest with you, to do your own research because they're not going to do it for you and they're not going to give you the truth. And so by listening to these, you know, alternative stories, this is, I mean, again, we can't even get into it cause there's not enough time, but when you see the Twitter files and you see Adam Schiff and the FBI and the government colluding with big tech to try to censor data on the, the COVID vaccine to try to 
eliminate and, and censor journalists to, to, to just collude in, in the level that they are. Again, I think it's just as clarifying as a speaker vote was. It's clarifying that your government is run by corporations and, you know, the, the, the cabal of, you know, uh, criminal cabal is, is really what it is. And so they do not have your best interest in mind. My motto is if the government tells me to do it, I'm going to do the exact opposite and I'm going to research it. Um, I don't trust anybody because they don't have your best interest in mind. They're a death cult. They are absolutely a death cult. And prove me wrong on that because you can't 100% right on that one. That's sad, but they're a death cult. Um, going back to the speakership, I think you need to understand who represents you. Look at the conservative review Liberty scores. Look at how people vote. I think it's, it's big because you don't go through there and we'll, we'll put a link to the Liberty scores in there because I think it's important that you see how each individual member, especially the person that's supposed to represent you is voting on certain items because so many times our life is busy and they're ramming these bills through. We don't care. We get upset for a little bit and then we go back to our way of life without communicating and telling our opinion of our representatives. And I think by seeing again, the representative that represents me, um, obviously doesn't read his Twitter feed and obviously doesn't read his emails because so many people are emailing him saying, we don't want this. We don't want concessions. We want change. And that's, um, that's, that's really something that it's, it's going to be hard because we need people in that, in, in those seats that will represent the people that they're called to listen to. And if they're not, we primary them out, um, which voting is a whole different story, but anyway, um, just wanted to come back. I know it's been a while, but wanted to come back and talk to you about a couple of those things as far as. As far as that goes, some of the things that have been in the news, we'll see how this rules package gets voted on. We'll see what happens as far as repealing funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. And we'll see as far as how this goes. I mean, as far as with this speaker that gets an F on the Liberty score, not really encouraged on that, but it's something that um, we're stuck with. Again, um, they push this stuff through and the American people um, pretty much get screwed every single time. Um, and primarily that's because the American people aren't involved as much as they should be. So, uh, I'll end with that. I think we need to get involved, be bold about what, you know, um, don't be rude, disrespectful, disrespectful or anything like that, but, um, don't capitulate to, you know, what they say. And, um, and again, we have to hold the line because we're at a point to where they were really, really, really trying to take the reins and take control and do a lot of really draconian and totalitarian practices. And thank God that there were some people like Governor DeSantis that put a stop to that, pushed back, and, um, and really made things come into line and come into check. Because there were so many people, because of money, and they wanted the funding, they wanted all this other stuff, were just falling in sync and, and, and um, you know, just doing whatever the, uh, the higher-up said. So, again, push back, be bold, be respectful, but be bold, and uh, just stand up for truth. That's, that's really what the whole essence of this is, to stand up for truth. And again, I think it's very important that everybody within the pocket that they have influence can do, can do things and to stand up for truth because, to be honest with you, I know that our reach isn't anything close to some of, these, some of the reach of some of these bigger platforms, but we've seen the true colors of a lot of these bigger platforms and they're not for your interest, they're for profit. And so 
Um, even though we don't have a huge influence, hopefully it'll grow. But to the people we do have influence from and over, um, that's a that's a very real responsibility I take serious. And I'm not not out here just pushing. Uh, things that I haven't looked through and thought through and read the data on and that kind of thing. So um, again, we certainly appreciate you listening and being part of this. And uh, until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week and start of your new year. And we will talk to you soon. Love y'all.